St. Louis is an American city in the state of Missouri on the western bank of the Mississippi River. An estimated 300,000 people call St. Louis home, and it's known for its famous zoo, its botanical gardens, and its Gateway Arch Monument. St. Louis is also the most dangerous city in America. More homicides are committed per capita in St. Louis than any other city in the country, and it's the only United States city to make the top 10 list in murder rates around the world. For any poor, young artist trying to make their way in the musical world, growing up in St. Louis might be seen as a handicap. While rappers from LA and New York dominate the radio airwaves, artists from the Midwest are almost completely ignored. And for young Cornell Haynes Jr., it certainly looked as if he was destined to join the dozens of other ignored hip-hop acts of the Midwest. The rap group he started with high school friends St. Lunatics failed to achieve any success outside of St. Louis, and a major record deal failed to appear. The rest of the group agreed to let Haynes Jr. go solo, and in 1999, Cornell, known by his nickname, Nelly, was signed to Universal Music Group. Nelly was largely disliked by the label when he first signed, with the feedback on the rapper's music being extraordinarily negative. The label decided to brand Nelly as a star of the Midwest, hoping to inspire pride in just the people of St. Louis and the surrounding regions. Little did Universal know, Nelly's debut album was about to bring the people of St. Louis to their feet, and the rest of the rap world to their knees. His reach was about to extend far beyond the Mississippi River, into stereos and CD players around the world. Country Grammar released on June 27, 2000, and would top the Billboard charts for five consecutive weeks. It spawned a string of hits, and by January the next year, Nelly was performing at the Super Bowl halftime show. The album has since been certified diamond, with over 10 million copies sold. Which is why it might be easy to forget another hit album that dropped that summer in July, Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men. It was released one month later and has consistently top charts listing the most annoying songs of all time. What's the story of the Baja Men? How does it compare to country grammar? Will we ever find out who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Let's find out. Welcome to When Albums Collide. Welcome to the When Albums Collide podcast. As always, my name is Judd Boaz, and I am with you, joined by my co-host Pedro Duran. What's up, man? Not much. What's going on with you? Lockdown mode, as you probably know. Everyone that's listening, we live in Melbourne, so we are in phase four lockdown. That means we can't leave our house without permits, curfew at eight. Yeah, it's pretty crazy times we're living in. I'll tell you what it means. It means that little old Judd is sitting in his bed on a Saturday night, drinking beers alone and listening to the Baja Men. Mm. It is truly uh, a sad existence that I'm living. How'd you go this week with our albums, man? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I, I, I've listened to the uh, Nelly Country Grammar a bunch of times, and I believe I had it when it, it first was released. I, I was a fan of Nelly. Really love um, some of the tracks on there. It was refreshing to go back and listen to it. And then with Baja Men, of course, everyone knows their big hit, Who Let the Dogs Out. Oh, really? I thought you were going to say it was uh, it was All You Got or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was an interesting album listen, and I'm sure we'll get into it as we go further along. 
We are comparing Nelly's Country Grammar and the Baja Men's Who Let the Dogs Out, which came out about a month apart in the year 2000. Can you believe it's been 20 years since both of these albums, both these songs came out? Oh, where does the time go, Pedro? Yeah, it's crazy. So this was an interesting thing, and we were talking during it where there wasn't a lot of information on the Baja Men. Who are the Baja Men? What are they about? Mm. So I wanted to look into just who the hell are the Baja Men. The Baja Men formed in 1977 as High Voltage, where they initially played disco and funk. We're going to get to that later in the album. Mm. And they performed regularly in nightclubs and hotels in the Bahamas and self-released several albums. In 1991, one of their tapes found its way to Atlantic Records A&R man Steve Greenberg, who signed the band, and at the same time, he changed their name to the Baja Men. Their entire career is the handiwork of this Steve Greenberg bloke. He also signed uh, Hanson of Mbop fame, Mm. funnily enough. He's like the Michael Jordan of making shit, annoying songs. Without him... The Baja men are still playing high school proms and weddings in the Bahamas. And I mean, they're probably still doing that right now, <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how stoned out of his mind he was when he heard this tape, but I'm going to say very, because he backed the hell out of them. To the point where it became a running joke that every record label he would go to, he would bring the Baja men and he would sign the Baja men. And it was a joke because they never had a hit. And he was like, oh no, I'm going I'm to sign the Baja men to my new company. So they had two mildly successful albums called Junkanoo and Calic. The band moved with Greenberg to Polygram for their 1997 album, I Like What I Like, and Doong Spank, uh, which released the following year. Doong Spank sold 700 copies in the US. Mm. That is less than K-Fed, Pedro. Yeah, wow, crazy. As a result, unsurprisingly, the band was dropped by the label. Polygram gets bought by Universal, and Greenberg decides to start his own label, S-Curve, and guess who the first band he signs is? It's the Baja Man. It's the Baja Man. He literally started a label just to release one song that he thought would be a hit, because no one else wanted to touch it. And funnily enough, the song was a massive hit. It was called Who Let the Dogs Out. Mm. The Baja Man and Steve Greenberg, incredibly intertwined in terms of careers and, and all that sort of thing. It's funny, Pedro, because when I was a kid and I was in high school, Nelly was big. And I mean really big. He was probably the biggest musician, which sounds crazy to say because kids these days have no idea who Nelly is. Yeah. He was the biggest guy. All his songs were hits from Hot in Here to Dilemma. Dilemma with Kelly Rowland. Yeah. Tell me, mom, what's it gonna be, she said. You don't know what you mean to me. That song, I remember coming home from school and it being on, like, the number one chart show or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was on there for eight months straight in Australia. Yeah, yeah. People love that. It was such a big song. So to go from that to relative obscurity now, I mean, he has a net worth now of something like $60 million, so he's probably pretty happy. But it's crazy that his star just vanished almost uh, over the course of 10 years. Yeah, it is, it is pretty nuts. Going back and listening to this album, it did remind me of how massive Nelly was. Um, and then to see, um, I guess, where his career trajectory as far as music goes. I mean, he's just not in, in the spotlight. I mean, he's not even, I don't even think he's really making music like that anymore. I think he has other ventures and things, but he's not even mentioned in the conversation as far as 
rap music or hip hop. I think he might be moving on to like TV shows. I know he had a TV show for a bit and his um, Apple Bottoms brand is was popular. And then I guess it got defunct and now it's coming back apparently because he's released something on Instagram saying that he's bringing it back. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's super interesting. But I think a lot of legal problems were the case. Um, he had a tax lien set against him for a bit to the point that fans on the internet started like a GoFundMe for a bit or they they did a, a, a hashtag campaign where they were basically like save Nelly so they were asking people to play his songs on Spotify and Tidal and stuff like that in hopes that he can uh, pay his taxes eventually so yeah it's a it's a it's a crazy thing but um, I think that happens a lot of times with hip-hop uh, artists you know, they're hot for a bit and then they just kind of fall into obscurity, even though they did have that um, moment in time. Yeah, you're right, because it is a rarity for not just hip hop musicians, but any musicians to stay relevant past their use by date. Everyone has a use by date, they're 15 minutes. So unless you become exorbitantly wealthy like Jay-Z or you yeah. move to another level of superstardom like Kanye West, you know, they were around in the early 2000s and they're still around today. Yeah. It is rare to continue that legacy. For the Baja men, um, when I say 15 minutes of fame, they had literally 15 minutes of fame. By the time, you know, this album came out in July, by November they were done. No, no one wanted to hear no more Baja men after that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was speaking to somebody over the weekend about uh, about this episode, and I was like, yeah, we're doing Baja men. They were, they were like, I don't know who that is. And then I started singing Who Let the Dogs Out, and they're like, oh, definitely, I remember that song. And, and then I went on to say, yeah, actually... They had a bunch of albums prior, so they had a bit of a career. Did it have the same success prior or afterwards than this one? No, definitely not. You know, I think at this point they were already putting out like seventh albums. It's, it's super interesting that both of these artists were able to leave such a massive mark at the time and then kind of uh, just fade away. Yeah, in the same way that like Pol Pot or Mussolini left massive marks on history, <laughs> so did the Baja Man on the music industry. Yes, yes. They've uh, caused a lot of pain to people. Let's jump into the albums with the track-by-track breakdown. Starting things off, Nelly with, my God, a fucking rap skit. It's intro uh, with Cedric the Entertainer talking into a phone, classic rap skit structure. Why are rap skits a thing? They always suck. They always suck. I'm telling you right now, rap skits have never been good. Even the best rap skits in history drag down the album they're on. Late registration would be better without those DeRay Davis skits. Chingy's Jackpot would be better without Jackpot the Pimp. 2001 would be better without Pause for Porno. 36 Chambers, Mm -hmm. the album would be better without them. I mean, why, why are rap skits a thing? Yeah, well, first thing I want to say, nice pull, Jackpot, Chingy. Wow, you pulled that out. Yeah, we're going to do that album eventually, my yeah, man. Yeah. Dude, totally, because I had that album too, based because of the popularity of Nelly. So, But to answer your question, I think, I think it honestly is a practical thing. It's just, from my understanding, record labels will, will tell an artist that you need to turn in an album at a certain date and it can, needs to contain you know X amount of tracks, 15 tracks, 12 tracks, et cetera, et cetera. And they focus on the music and then they're just like, oh, we're missing two tracks. Let's just throw in a skit. 
and we will um we'll make the album number qualification so they can just turn it in i think it's just a bit of a cop-out but now sure it's a way to get your friends on and things like that because i can think about a couple albums like method man to cal has chris rock on there uh you, you mentioned kanye west you know kanye west's second album late registration has and the college dropout as well has Bernie Mac. Um, so there is a history of putting comics on these albums, maybe for promotion. I don't know. Maybe maybe the artist thinks it's just it's just funny. So they have like their their friends come on and, and, and talk some shit for a bit. I still hate it. I mean, do, like, <laughs> do, you, do you in do you enjoy it? I mean, would you have preferred no Cedric the Entertainer on this? Because I certainly would have. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could have done without it. For sure. It could have been whatever. It doesn't necessarily need it, but I, I guess I understand why he was on there because I know Cedric's from St. Louis. And this is a big theme with this album as well. Like, it's all about St. Louis representing St. Louis and all that stuff. This, and it's This is the most St. Louis album there has ever been. Yeah. There has never been a more Missouri album than this. It is all about that to the point where, as you said, Cedric the Entertainer is born and bred St. Louis as well. So let's get him on. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, so I think that it's a massive uh, factor as to why Cedric's on there. And I mean, we always try to find positives in these in in these things. I think at very least it kind of sets up this uh, world of. I guess Nelly's trying to convey the, he's in tune to the scene in St. Louis. He's from the streets there. He knows people there. Just that kind of culture. Call on my mama house. They know how to page me. They'll page me to your number. Then I'll call you back. Or you can just page my cousin Keith and he'll call my cousin little Daryl who got my real page. Et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? It's just like this hood thing that people are reveling in and kind of celebrating in emphasizes how St. Louis or people from St. Louis, just regular down-to-earth folk. So that's the intro to Nelly's album. The intro to the Baja Men's album, what is it, Pedro? It just comes in uh, right out of the canon. It comes out with, who let the dogs out? (laughs) One of the foremost feminist texts of the 21st century, for anyone that hasn't heard who let the dogs out, it's about men are at a party and they're calling women's names and the women are all shouting, who let the dogs out? They're calling the men dogs. It is, you know, Jermaine Greer, um, feminist icon. She would have loved this song. She probably does love this song <laughs> just because of the power of tearing down the patriarchy. Am I right here, Pedro? Yes, exactly. This is the foremost feminist text of the 21st century and so early into the millennium. Look, this song, everyone's heard it. I don't know where you first heard it, but I'm sure you've heard it 500 times. Oh, I mean... Do you think you've heard this song more or Smash Mouth's All-Star? Oh, man, that is a good question. Probably on the at the, about the same amount. Uh, maybe this one, just because I was listening to a ton over this weekend for this episode. Yeah, I think Who Let the Dogs Out and, and, and All-Star are on, on the same level as far as kind of annoying songs that get played and played and played over, 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 over again from movie soundtracks. Well, particularly animated movie uh, soundtracks. I was uh, flabbergasted to learn that it was coming off Rugrats in Paris, the movie, off that soundtrack. And I think that had a big push. That's why it was really into um, prominent in the culture because of that movie. Because I was just like, oh, why... um, I, I just I just didn't get it. I was like, was that movie a massive hit? And then that and then this song 
went on to explode from that. But I, I figure maybe kids were just like bumping in. And it was- Besides the love of Rugrats, I want to get into Who Let the Dogs Out, the history. It's actually a cover of a song by a Trinidadian guy called Anslem Douglas, and the original song was called Doggy. It sounds about the same. Then Pedro, did you know Steve Greenberg, the A&R executive we were talking about earlier, recently started a podcast? Really? No. By recently, I mean like two weeks ago. Ah, perfect. It actually went to number one on the US music podcast charts, which I'm only slightly jealous about. Yeah, that's kind of fucking annoying because we've been on, what, (laughs) over a month or so? This guy is on for two weeks, and he's already number one. I mean, that's... Uh... For reference, when Albums Collide is currently racked 225 on that same chart, mm. so uh, please rate, like, and subscribe. Please. We love you. Yeah, thank you. Guess what record his first episode was based on? Um, Let me think. It could be something from Dark Side of the Moon, or maybe... Um... Kanye West's college dropout. All good guesses. All good guesses. But what do you think it was? No, it has to be Who Let the Dogs Out. It was fucking Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be fair to Steve here. It's actually a good podcast. He sounds like a lovely guy. Mm -hmm. And his production and editing take a big fat dump all over mine. I think he might have, A, a slightly higher budget, and B, probably isn't recording his show in his bedroom. (laughs) But if you want to hear someone talk about the development of Who Let the Dogs Out in detail for over an hour, check out his podcast. I ain't going to cut his lunch. It's a good podcast about this one song, okay? Yeah, wow. I'll give you the Cliff's Notes, though. That's what people come to our podcast for. Yeah. Greenberg really believed in the Baja Men. He got them established with record deals. He was able to find them success in Japan. But he had this song in his back pocket by Ansel Douglas that he loved, and he always wanted to score a big hit with it. Funnily enough, he had to convince the Baja men to get on it because they did not want to record this song. It was already a really famous song in the islands, in the Caribbean, in the Bahamas. It was a massive hit. It would be like me coming to you and saying, Pedro, I want you to do a cover of this really unknown song. Mm-hmm. It's called Thriller. <laughs> um, it's going to be huge. Let's do a cover. It would be a ridiculous thing to ask. Um, and so they were adamant about it because they didn't want to be a cheap cover band. I just said point blank, man, are you crazy? And he was serious and he said, Tyler, I just want you to do this one song. That's how much he believed in the song. So we going backward, forward, backward, forward, back. And I said, okay, Steve, conversation is over. Finally, they relent and they do the song. You know, the proof is in the pudding. Over three million copies sold. But Greenberg admits... That it only got big because of two things. He's like, yeah, radio play is nice, but two things. One, kids, and two, sports. Mm -hmm. Number one, they did a deal with Nickelodeon, playing it in Rugrats the movie, Rugrats in Paris. That was huge for kids, and they played it every single night. Eight o'clock, you turn on your TV, Who Let the Dogs Out is going to be on Nickelodeon. Mm. And two, sports. He knew a guy who knew a guy who started playing it at every game at Yankee Stadium. And then the Mets started playing it. And then the Pirates started playing it. And then all these baseball teams started playing it because it's a good sports song, right? Yeah, it's a jock jam. As a result, it just caught on. Here's the thing, though. As, as we mentioned, it's a cover. It sounds nothing like any of their other music. Yeah. I was shocked because they opened the album with this. And if you've only heard that song by the Bahamen, you buy this album, you spend your fortunes worth $25 (laughs) or whatever in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. You buy this. Yeah, first song, banging, banging, banging. You're expecting more of this. And then it never does this kind of music ever again. 
Mm. I was shocked. Yeah, yeah. This song is not indicative of the album or um, the Baja Men sound at all. We have to return to our favorite son of St. Louis, mm. Nelly. His next track on the album, St. Louis, mm-hmm. funnily enough. As we said, he reps Missouri and St. Louis so hard. And he was actually really unpopular in his career because East Coast rappers, West Coast rappers, he's part of just this like flyover state that no one cares about. Yeah. And he never left, by the way. He's, I think he still lives there. He just bought a huge house in St. Louis to mm-hmm. chill. From all accounts, lovely guy. Started a lot of not- not-for-profit organizations after his success. Mm-hmm. One of them was for kids with disabilities and-, and Down syndrome. Another one was to help fund bone marrow donations mm-hmm. for people with leukemia. So really, really nice guy. And he reps St. Louis so hard. All the music videos, he's in the streets of St. Louis, he's got the arch in the background. He is representing St. Louis so hard. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was um it's a good catchy song. It's it's funny with this album when I when I revisit it, especially with this song, I'm always kinda ambivalent. I'm always like, okay, what are we getting into? And then as I go further and further in, I think I like it as I go in because I mean, I think a big appeal with Nelly is he's not the traditional rapper in the sense of he's not from the East Coast. He's not from the West Coast. Like East Coast rappers, New York rappers have a particular sound, very lyrical, very hard edged. The beats are sparse. West Coast, very much uh, talking about the the gangster rap life. They tend to have that G-Funk sound to them that, you know, Dr. Dre has uh, cultivated. When you listen to this, it becomes very apparent as as to what is Nelly style is that sing songy kind of thing, and it just opens up. You can find me in now, the first time, if you're listening to this and you're a fan of hip hop, you might be a little bit taken back. You're kind of like, "What am I getting into?" But I think it's a great track because he totally embraces it and embraces all the St. Louisness of it. You know, he says, you know, I'm from the home of Red Fox, Cedric the Entertainer, giving shouts out to, you know, uh, celebrities from St. Louis and Missouri and all these things. And the and the hook is catchy as hell. So um, I think it was a, a great way to uh, open the album. He has that, and you've nailed it in one, the sing-songy cadence, mm-hmm. where he's not like a lot of other rappers. There's a, like a melodic tone to it. And I think that's, that's a two-part thing. His cadence is really unlike a lot of rappers at the time. Mm-hmm. And even today, there's very few, like... Maybe someone like Fetty Wap has the same sort of thing where it's like he's half singing, half rapping. I'm like, hey, what's up? Hello. Since you're pretty as soon as you came in the door. I just want to chill. Got a sack for us to roll. But I think it's we are so conditioned to rappers from New York or California or something. You know, we think of like Kendrick Lamar is Compton through and through. Guys like Vince mm-hmm. Staples, you know, California. Someone that sounds from another place in America with a different accent sounds really fresh to me still. Yeah, definitely. Outcast from Georgia or Lil Wayne from Louisiana and Nelly from Missouri. Boom. He sounds a little bit Southern and you get that in the, and it just sounds so fresh and so fun. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think that is a massive reason as to why this album was successful i mean we'll go into it at the end um when we do our wrap-ups but i think that is a uh the uh principal uh aspect and to actually and to why this album went diamond 10 million sold pedro so baja man i'm ready for i'm ready for it. i've braced myself i know we're doing this podcast so i'm bracing myself for what it's going to be i'm thinking it's going to be like world music 
And for anyone that doesn't know, world music is, if you're not white or from America, the UK or Australia, you are world music. And so I was, I was bracing for it. And then You All Dat came on and I thought, what the fuck is this? Yeah. This isn't the Baha Men. This might just be me being an ignorant bigot. But I was expecting like calypso music or yeah. like reggae yeah. or dance hall or, you know, something that sounded anything like that gigantic hit they started the album with. This is just like a mediocre R&B album. Yeah, it becomes very apparent as you go through with the album. It's popish, R&B, hip-hop. There's attempts at all these things. And then, I don't know how you felt about it. I felt at the end, like one of the la- later songs, like they do that Latin thing. Because I thought they were trying to capitalize on living the Vida Loca. And we'll get into it because there's a lot of um, references to go into it. But yeah, it, it, it is super crazy. I think the next track samples, like you all, that samples The Line Sleeps Tonight. You know that song. I was shocked. I was, what is going on here? Yeah. They sound in this song very, how do I put this? Very white. Yeah. <laughs> they sounded so white compared to, you know, Who Let the Dogs Out, where they sound like they're Bahamian. They sound so white, like to the point where I was getting Smash Mouth vibes off you all, Dad. Really? Not a compliment, by the way. Yeah. Not what I expected at all. Please, God, just one time, give me a night of ecstasy just for two. So I opened my eyes, and to my surprise, my goddess of love was standing there, and she said... Damn, baby, got something to say? Well, come on. They're doing like a back and forth. It's like a shit version of Positive K's I Got a Man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can't have nothing. It all depends. Well, if we can't be lovers, then we can't be friends. Well, then I guess it's nothing. That's a good song. This is not a good song. I thought, oh, maybe it's just a one-off. You know, they're just trying something new. No, this is the whole album. It never gets back to Who Let the Dogs Out. No, definitely. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's crazy because with this song, I was like, oh, okay, what are they doing? And it is just a guy just talking over music um, about what he's trying to hook up with some girl, but I guess he doesn't have confidence to do so and a a lot of it's just him just talking throughout it and then i think the third verse the girl is starts giving her side of the story i went into this and i was like okay well if this is a sign of what's to come i don't really think this is a a good sign (laughs) foreboding signs to be sure to be sure the next song on nelly's album i love this song Greed, hate, envy, what an amazing song. His cadence, his rap is awesome. And then we get to, like, the third verse. And Nelly is rapping about being stopped by a police officer and having a bit of banter with him. And I thought, huh, this sounds a bit like 99 Problems. Wait a minute, this is 99 Problems. Yeah. This came out three years before 99 Problems. Yeah. Jay-Z stole his idea from this fucking song. I know he did. He stole this idea from this song. Yeah. I heard this this time around. I heard this again. And I was like, oh, shit. This is just 99 Problems. Like, that that whole verse all over again. So it was Except like, he did it first. Yeah. Like, 99 Problems was much more successful than this pretty much unknown song. What the hell, JC? You stole his song. Yeah. Like, okay, Nelly raps. And then Jay Z's line is. It is exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. So, the song is great, by the way. I love this song. I think it's on par with 99 Problems because his cadence is so great. But then the, the dialogue between him and the police officer, you compare it with 99 Problems, 
very, very similar. Exactly, yeah. Because in this song, he says, yeah. He's a little more con- concise with the, uh, the back and forth, the conversation. Whereas Jay-Z... <laughs> It is very much copy and paste. I mean, I think Jay Z yeah, he he edited it enough. He's making it his own, but I would not be surprised at all if he was inspired by this song. Great song, I love this song. Oh, I yeah. love I love everything about this song. Um, what I particularly love, though, because we are talking about albums that came out in the year two thousand, is how sort of dated it is a little bit mm-hmm. my like he's talking about his his technology and he's like from handheld digital to triple beam now my page is an email flip screen mm. like that's that's really high tech yeah yeah shades of who could forget kelly Rowland typing a text message into a microsoft excel spreadsheet in the dilemma video yeah that's hilarious yeah everyone remembers that it's like uh it's like i'm surprised it hasn't become like a, a, a massive meme um already but yeah i mean that's um that's uh, always a joke that's uh, being thrown her way. Back to the Baja, man. The song Get Your Party On. I could not pick this out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. This sounds nothing like the Baja Men, and there's no flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Baja Men apparently, allegedly, based their song on this Bahamian like, f- cultural folk dance called Junkanoo, which is a parade every year on Boxing Day, which they celebrate like traditional music and African influences with like goatskin drums and cowbells. That doesn't sound like anything on this album. No. I don't know what what that influence is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Get your party on. For people that want to envision what this song sounds like, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine a middle-budget Netflix movie. There is a party scene in some suburban, middle-class American home. Everyone's drinking out of those, like, red cups, you know? Mm-hmm. Someone probably has a lampshade on their head. But no one really looks like they're having a good time. They're just extras, you know? Imagine that scene in your mind for me. Now, try to imagine what music is playing during that scene. And remember, they can't choose an actual popular song because they don't have the music budget for it. So they're going to need some stock, boring party song that kids would be into. What does that song sound like? Imagine it in your head. Now listen to Get Your Party On. Everybody over here! It is the exact same song. I guarantee you it is the exact same song. Mm. This is such a boring song, and it's not what people listen to at parties. They listen to songs like Ride With Me with Nelly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Get your, get your party on sucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I was like, this is the obvious party track trying to be a hip-hop song. The instruments that they use, I felt they just basically opened up the hip-hop kit in Fruity Loops or Ableton and just made a instrumental based on that. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that and how you described it. It's just kind of a background party song to have. Maybe they were hoping to license this to another Nickelodeon movie. But um, yeah, it's um, it's just there's really, really nothing here, which is, is strange because as you were saying at the top of the show, I was expecting more kind of Caribbean sound. Like, yeah, Who Let the Dogs Out is a massive pop hit. You could chop that up to be like, all right, they have to do that for the label or whatever. And then expected to hear what the Baja Men sounded like. But it this all sounds like it was um, very formulaic. They were trying to capitalize on reaching a massive pop audience. We'll get into it. Let's take a little break. We'll take a pause for the cause. We'll be back with more When Albums Collide after this. 
Hi. We're Entertain This. From the likes of, like, just entertainment, like seeing, like, TV shows and video games. A podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. Go ahead. Tell me it's based off it. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) We're three friends who get together weekly to discuss things like music. The heavy metal heads with the leather cutoff. Books. I want to talk about a book. A book called uh, The Way of Kings. Movies. I saw the trailer for the Impractical Jokers movie. (laughs) And I'm pissed. (laughs) Games. Because I totally understand this game is super ambitious at the time, with 32 people in the same lobby when Call of Duty could barely support 16. Things that generally we enjoy. Like, look at your life and just thinking, we need to break free. (sighs) That sounds familiar. (laughs) That sounds really familiar. I'm not sure why. And we hope you will, too. We're professionals. No, we're not. (laughs) So come and listen to our show and let us know what you think. Entertain this. Entertain this. Entertain this. Back on the podcast, when albums collide, comparing Nelly's country grammar to the Baja men's Who Let the Dogs Out. These albums came out one month apart. We're continuing with the Baja men and continuing on the tangent you were just talking about, Pedro, with getting hotter. It doesn't sound Caribbean at all. It just sounds like stock standard R&B music. The reason for that is that there are 11 tracks on this album by the Baja Men, and there's one track on here by Steve Greenberg. Mm -hmm. The one track by Steve Greenberg was a really big hit called Who Let the Dogs Out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even that song is written by a man from Trinidad and Tobago. It's not by, like, a Bahamanian person. He really micromanaged the whole thing. He micromanaged everything about that song and then just left the rest of the album to the point where he got the Baja Men to audition new singers because he said, oh, we need, like, three young people for this to sing this. Like, we need new people on the cover of your albums, because you guys are all in your 40s. People aren't going to buy the Baja Men if they know that you're old, which is crazy. And then I thought, wait a minute, the Wikipedia says the Baja Men have been around since 1977. Why do they all look so fucking young in the video and on the cover? <laughs> and it's because they were just hired specifically to sing this song and do the the rap in this song. They were brought into the band in 1999. They probably weren't alive when the band started. Wow, yeah. Yeah, because I do see that. They were starting in the 70s. How did these guys start in the 70s? They're like 25. Yeah. He micromanaged so hard that when he heard the first cut of the song, he wasn't even satisfied with the barking on the track. It wasn't doggish enough. (gasps) So he flew everyone back down to a studio in Miami to redo the barks. Wow. And when they couldn't do it, he did the barks himself. Perfectionism at its worst, but hey, he sold three million records. Yeah, exactly. Talk. Getting hotter, though, he has no influence on it, and it, it shows. There's also the difference between Nelly's R&B tracks and these R&B tracks. They had all the same resources. They came out one month apart, but Nelly is so much fun, and no amount of micromanaging is going to put the fun into a track. Mm-hmm. Nelly just has it, man. He just has it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nelly is definitely talented, and I think another aspect with Nelly is that he was hungry at the time, whereas the Baja men, who've, <laughs> as, as as we were saying, been performing since 1977. 77. Yeah. You know, they, they might have been just kind of over it not to mention this is their seventh album 
for them, this is just like another walk in the park. Whereas Nelly, he has something to prove. He's just trying to get out there. He's just, like I say, he's hungry. He's trying to uh, mm. showcase his talent. I mean, in regards to this song, like it's not the best song in the world, but it, I thought it was probably one of the better songs on the album just because I, I felt like this album was all over the place. And with this song, I just, I, for me, it just kind of connected. I was like, I wonder if this is what the Baja men really sounds like when they're not under the control of uh, of this dude. Speaking of fun tracks, lead single, Off Country Grammar, the title track. I love the fact that Nelly references Donald Trump a couple times in this album. Yeah, it just, it, like, it, it modernizes all this music from 20 years ago because, mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't know he was going to be president, but now it sounds like... You know, like they they knew all along. It's modernized the music. Yeah, it's still relevant, huh? Imagine if you heard someone in 1995 saying, "Oh, Senator Obama, please let me, you know, let me give me some money or something." Yeah, no, very prescient. Yeah, you'd Um, be like, "Oh, Nelly's a time traveler." I remember when I first heard this song on the radio, man, and I think I was still in Florida. I was just driving around or something like that. When I heard this song, I knew it was a hit. I think at the time I wouldn't have been able to articulate why, but I thought it was just fresh and new. Nelly will go on to be massive, but it, it is a it's a great single. It's his sing song cadence has a catchy hook, shimmy shimmy cocoa what. It's very much you know that's like a nursery rhyme, right? That's like a I didn't know. Yeah, it's a nursery rhyme. It's a it's kind of I don't know if that's particularly like ingrained in u.s culture but it's a rhyme that you would say when like girls are doing double dutch or like jumping rope it's just one of those kind of things Uh. yeah but it isn't totally sugary as something like the baja men who let the dogs out and stuff because it does add somewhat of that street edginess to it nelly has a line like says street sweeper baby cock ready to let it go so it's a weird dichotomy like you have one line it's a nursery rhyme and then you have this, you know, atypical hip hop or rap lyric about shooting an assault rifle on your enemies. And I don't know if this song ever made it out to Australia, but there was a song called Chain Hang Low by Jibs. Yes, I am aware of this song. I know that that song was totally inspired by that because I think whoever record labels or even the artist himself was just like oh people are really responding to this nursery rhyme addition into hip-hop songs so we're just going to start doing that and um, i think it started a bit of a trend to a lot of uh, the hardcore hip-hop heads dismay <laughs> that being said keep an eye for pedro duran's uh, new mixtape eeny meeny miny moe <laughs> that, shit's, that shit's fire it's, it's dropping soon yeah exactly on the doug soundtrack uh doug goes to uh romania (laughs) or beirut pedro i'm gonna start bundling these baja men tracks together like you can get it and it's all in the mind i can't even explain it if you had told me that you had just replaced my mp3 files with a different band and just renamed the file to baja men i'd believe you Mm -hmm. because you can get it this is like the bgs it's like the village people it's like the doobie brothers it is nothing like what you expect who let the dogs out and the same with it's all in the mind i wrote in my notes quote no really what the fuck who is this because it damn sure isn't the baja man the rap in this is all right i guess but the hook is shocking it's 
all in the mind has a shocking hook. And this point of the album, I was like, you know, this could be a boy band song. Backstreet Boys or O-Town or fucking 98 Degrees. And you had them sing this song. You're not missing a beat at all because I just got that type of vibe of, from him. And I think it goes on with a lot of the upcoming tracks on the rest of the album. I wonder, and we can, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but if they actually had any type of real influence in writing their own music or the direction that this album was going to go, or was it just straight up like, we're just going to follow that pop formula and try to capitalize on that 15 minutes, basically. We're talking 15 minutes of fame. The Saint Lunatics, basically all Nelly's childhood friends that wanted to be on the album as well, and he was too nice to say no. (laughs) They sing in the song Steal the Show, the Saint Lunatics promise to steal the show. They do not steal the show. They massively drag down the show. Guys, this is why Nelly went solo and left you guys far, far behind. This song is awful. And it's because it's not Nelly, it's just all his mates jumping on the album. If I could compare it, it'd be like, Pedro, you're the Nelly on this podcast and I'm the St. Lunatics, okay. just dragging it down. <laughs> thank you for that, I disagree, but thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the more uh, forgettable songs on the album. If you really want to listen to more St. Lunatics, just get their album. Um, I believe it's called Free City. I actually had the album back in the day. It's fine, it's a decent album, but you do find yourself trying to fast forward to the Nelly parts. So it's that. And I know that was their first and last album. So it's um, an indication as to their popularity. It's telling. I remember I rap people... Oh, rephrase that. <laughs> rap rappers. People. You know these rap people. That's staying in. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, rappers often do this. They get their posse and their entourage to come and do some of the heavy lifting at stage shows, and it's fine because uh-huh. they need people to do backup vocals, yeah. and that's cool. It doesn't work when you go to see one person and you end up seeing the whole posse. Right. I remember Childish Gambino, he came to Newcastle, Australia to do a show. Everyone's so excited. Sold out show at the Cambridge Hotel. Childish Gambino does no rapping at all. It's all his posse just rapping. And it was just under the guise of using his name to get people to listen to his friends. Mm -hmm. And people were walking out, demanding refunds, booing. There are articles from the local newspaper talking about how big of a flop this gig was Mm. and how ripped off people felt. So he didn't perform at all? He probably did like a couple bars or something. But everyone was saying like he didn't, he barely performed. It was all his mates. And everyone was just booing the fuck out of them because they wanted to see Childish Gambino, as you imagine. Yeah, of course. Uh, And he hasn't been back since. Oh, well, well, there you go. So, wow, that's kind of a dick move, man. Hey, speaking of St. Lunatics... There's also a Saint Lunatic on the next track. I'd say the biggest hit of the album, Ride With Me. It's City Spud from the Saint Lunatics. Crazily enough, this album came out June 2000. In 1999, City Spud was sentenced to 10 years imprisonment for armed robbery. Jeez. Nelly and the Saint Lunatics campaigned for his release, and they titled that group album, as you mentioned, Free City, to support the release of him from prison. Mm. Didn't work. He was released from prison after serving nine years in 2008. That is a cruel twist of fate. It's like a, it's like one of those monkey paw things or a tricky genie. Yeah, yeah. Where someone says like, "I want to have a number one hit." Okay, but you're going to be in prison for the whole duration of it, and you won't get to enjoy your success. <laughs> wow, that is so true. Wow, quite a cruel twist of fate. You're famous all of a sudden with your one hit wonder, and you don't get to enjoy it. Yeah, fuck, man, that is so crazy. And I guess the response into that is. Don't commit armed robberies, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, with, with Ride With Me, I love this song. I think this is my favorite track off the album. 
And I think the music video too is awesome too because it just uh, it just goes hand to hand. Because I I don't know if you've seen the video lately, but it's largely inspired by the 1977 film Smokey and the Bandit. And it makes references to the Dukes of Hazard. And the video went on to win Best Rap Video at the MTV Video Music Awards in 2001. I absolutely love this song. And it still bangs today. Even if you put it in a party, you put it in a club, that hook, everyone will always join in unison to sing. It's a testament to Nelly Singh's song style. Like he's not rapping. It's not the traditional thing that City Spud is doing at the end. It's just him just chilled out, very melodic. I think it's very indicative to uh, Nelly's appeal. Uh, one thing I will notice is that the acoustic guitar at the back of Ride With Me, it gives it such a different vibe. And I think there was a remix where he got John Mayer to do the guitar. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like this appeals to people that don't specifically like hip-hop. Mm. you got that massive hook where if you don't think you've heard Ride With Me before, trust me, you've heard it. But also, it bridges that gap of like, oh, I don't really like rap or hip hop, but the the acoustic guitar makes it sound almost a little bit country, yeah. which is people are so into. Clipping through, we've also got another a huge hit, EI. EI is another one, man. It's a banger. Like I, I, I will throw this on. Like if you need to get a party started, I just I think it's uh, the drums on it are so ridiculously good, especially if you're going to be like, be playing them on uh, loudspeakers. Um. I, j- I think it's a perfect hook, too. I think it's a party starter. And unfortunately, I think they released a remix under the title Tip Drill with a video that came out with him. And that has gone on to gain some massive controversy for being super misogynistic. If you haven't seen the video for Tip Drill Nelly, check it out and then you'll you'll definitely understand why it's uh, labeled that way. Speaking of misogyny... You got Thicky Thick Girl coming up next on the Nelly album. This is back when they spelled thick with a K and not two C's. Uh, It has some of my favorite lyrics on the album. Put my penis in accurate. Just relax a bit. Now it's my time to party like the lunatics at an after set. Put my penis in accurate. Mm. Never heard that one before. No. Again, St. Lunatics dragging Nelly down as hard as they possibly can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's Murphy Lee, which is it's ironic because he was kind of tapped to be the next guy up, um, unfortunately. Nothing really uh, manifested from that. There, There is a nice little uh, throwback on a couple of these tracks, like on the track For My, featuring a young 17-year-old rapper called Lil Wayne. He was actually little at this point. He was a young Lil Wayne. Yeah. Baby Wayne, maybe, even so. Though Dem Raps, am I saying that right? This is really late 90s, 2000s production, to the point the dun-dun-dun, you hear it, is so 90s, 2000. <laughs> And I mentioned Nelly's cadence, also a lot of references to Cristal. Have you ever had Cristal? Uh, no, I haven't, no. Because it's it's a very famous champagne that rappers used to drink once upon Mm -hmm. a time. Champagne in the club, I don't get the appeal. Yeah, I think it's more of a thing of, because it's an expensive bottle, so it's just a status symbol to be like, oh, look, we have Cristal, and everyone else is drinking regular Brut or whatever the cheap champagne is going to be. So I think it's really, really that, because... 
I haven't heard anyone really say they really enjoy the taste of um, of Chris, as they would say. So very few moments in my life have I been in situations where I'm hanging around attractive people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there was there was one point Chad, where I was just well tagging yourself, along. So you should be you're fine. I was just tagging along with all these models uh-huh. at, 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 on a night out, right? Um, and I was like, you know, you got the manta ray and then you have the little like fish that leeches plankton like off its detritus. Yes. That's what it was. So I was following around and then I went to the club with them. And I didn't realize that when you're a supermodel or you do modeling or you're just really attractive, people will buy you drinks. It was a foreign concept to me. And so people would buy bottle service. They'd buy champagne, you know, big magnums of champagne and then send it over to the girls with sparklers and stuff. And it was a moment I was like, oh, awesome. And I'm hammered. So I drink it, and it was so underwhelming. There's a moment in the book 1984 by George Orwell yes. where the, the main character, he tries red wine for the first time because it's a dystopian future and wine's really rare. And he's so excited for it, and he tries it, and he doesn't like it because it doesn't taste like anything because mm. he spent his whole dystopian life drinking like synthetic gin. That's how I feel about drinking champagne in a club. I've been conditioned to drink like VB and pound $5 rum and Cokes all night. Mm -hmm. I can't taste good champagne. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. My tongue is dead. That being said, uh, a bottle of Cristal is $400 at Dan Murphy's if anyone wants to sponsor us. Yeah, Cristal. Send us some money. Not very popular now with the rap community. Uh, Judasum remarks that their managing director, Frederick Rosard, made in 2006. Yes where he was asked if all these rappers, like, drinking your champagne, all these hip-hop stars, is that going to harm the brand? And he replied, that's a good question, but what can we do? We can't forbid people from buying it. I'm sure Dom Perignon would be delighted to have their business. Interpretation to this comment was not very nice. People said they were disrespecting rappers and hip-hop to the point where Jay-Z released a statement saying he would never again drink Cristal or promote it or serve it at any of his clubs for those offhand remarks. And so it's really fallen out of favor. So references to Cristal are a time capsule of a period before 2006 when he made these remarks. Yeah, yeah. I've heard about that story too. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. That happens a lot, I guess, with with hip hop. I mean, in the early 90s, it was Tommy Hilfiger. A lot of uh, rappers will sport Tommy Hilfiger. And then apparently he made some um, not so nice remarks. And then everyone was like, well, well, fuck you, Tommy. And they moved on to something else. So. Which is ironic because a lot of times rappers are the ones that promote their brands and hence why they become super popular. But I guess that love is not uh, uh, shown back. It's funny. I mean, Nelly's been at the center of that a little bit, too, because in 2002, late April 2002, he went to a mall to buy a jersey for like a music video, whatever. I think it was called the Union Mall in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And they kicked him out because he was wearing a do-rag, which is... According to their policy, oh, that's gang paraphernalia. Yeah. Like, you're dressed like a gang member. You can't be in this in the shopping mall. And so he got kicked out, and he was surprisingly okay with it. He's like, oh, it's fine, guys. It's fine. But then the entire African-American community blackballed them all, boycotted it, because they'd kicked out Nelly. So don't fuck with rappers, man. You're just costing yourself business. Yeah, no, don't do it. Uh, one of the other singles from Nelly's album, Batter Up, mm. uh, I really like the... There's, like, a, a moment in this, this rap that he just goes fucking ape shit with his rhymes where he's like yeah i was like yeah yeah yeah, deli it's awesome yeah yeah it's pretty good another great line i think with my dick then put your mouth on my brain i was Mm. like it's just fun it's just good old 
good old-fashioned fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I would have to say, all the singles off this album are incredible. Um, they're really good. Even, I think Batter Up was the last single, and some people argue that, oh, it's kind of the weakest one, but it's still a, a, a great song and to listen to and just to, to bump. And it's funny that this came out, um, did you check the date as to when the song no, was released? September 11th, 2001. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, it's a testament to the song that it was still able to uh, be successful, you know, with everything else that was going on that day. Thanks a lot, Anya. Yeah, thank you. We can't prove anything yet. <laughs> yet. Do you have anything else about who let the dogs out? Because we got Shake It Mama, which is an atrocious song towards the end yeah. of that album. And of course, yeah. they finished the album with a remix of Who Let the Dogs Out because it's the only thing worth listening to on this incredibly bad album. Yeah, that is crazy. It's it's interesting that they did a remix to that song again, but I guess it makes sense because, you know, it's their mass it's their biggest song, so it's just kind of like let's just do a uh, like a, a dance remix or a DJ remix to it as well. So it's that uh, shake it mama i got that latin vibe that we've i mean we've done a bunch of albums and on the podcast and we've come across um you know songs that i feel are uh pandering to i guess the latin community they just put a couple of horns a little salsa a little uh you know macarena here and there and then it's you know it's uh, has that latin sexy spicy vibe to it but with this song i felt it was a lot more like Ricky Martin's living the vida loca in the sense of the lyrics and the and what's going on because they got lyrics like this girl from South Beach lives for the weekend she's got the stuff to rock your world she's on the dance floor she's a freak what I like to see it's about this girl who's crazy she likes to dance and stuff like that and I just felt it was very much like Ricky Martin's song in the same sense because his lyrics start out like she's into superstitions, black cats and voodoo dolls. I feel a premonition that girl's going to make me fall. So I can see the similarities in, 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 uh, between the two songs. And I thought maybe um, Bahaman looked at the success of Ricky Martin and was just like, you know, we need to capitalize on on that as well. I mean, you're right, because it's crazy because all the like year 2000 albums we've done, all the bad ones anyway, like Californication didn't have this on it, but like yeah. Smash Mouth's Astro Lounge, S Club 7, uh, Bardo, they all had like a Latin song just because it was in vogue at the time. Yeah, exactly. So I definitely got that type of vibe from, from, from this album. So it's that. And which makes me, I felt that it wasn't really a Baja men's album, Cause I don't like, if you listen to this, what are the, like, what are, what, what, what's their sound? Like, what are they trying to say? I just never felt like I got a cohesive sound to really judge them for. I just thought it was a bunch of songs put together to capitalize on the, uh, the awareness that the world had given them through the success of who let the dogs out. And they put a bunch, a bunch of pop songs trying to appeal to a wide audience, um, and it just kind of is just um, kind of a bit of a mess because you just there's no cohesiveness to it. I'm just going to clip you saying a bit of a mess and just copy and paste it across this episode because it sums it up very, very well. Pedro, uh, let's take it to the breakdown. Both of these albums were successful. I don't want to get it twisted like the Bahamen was awful. It was successful because of one song. 
but it won, you know, a Grammy. That song won Best Dance Recording at the Grammys. Nelly, as we said, Country Grammar, went diamond. 10 million units shipped in the US, many more million around the world. Why were each of these albums successful in their own way, Pedro? With Nelly, first, we can't deny the fact that the singles are hits. As uh, as we were mentioning before, the four singles that came out were all top 20 of that year. So as a consumer or a record buyer, if you keep hearing these hot songs, you're going to believe is consistent with the full album. And in 2000, CDs are still being bought. You know, it's not like today where streams are counted instead of albums, uh, instead of album units. Because I think if it would have came out today, people would just be downloading the singles instead of the, the full album. But they did so sell think- they did sell singles back then, right? Right, right. That's right. But I just, I, I think you people were a little more uh, inclined to buy an album because if you're going to spend money on a, on music and people out there can correct me, I feel like people are going to be like, well, let me just buy this whole album anyway, because I'm going to have all the songs on here. And I was mentioning, like, if you hear four hot singles off an album, you're going to think like, well, the rest of the album's probably that good too. So let me just purchase these 12 tracks, 15 tracks, and I have this and I'll just listen to the to the whole thing. Um, so I think that was um, a reason as to why the numbers were so high for uh, for country grammar. In addition, I mean, in the world of hip hop, Nelly was a novelty at the time coming from St. Louis. Um, you know, we were saying before, New York City has always been considered the mecca of rap and hip hop. Los Angeles dominated the scene in the 90s with gangster rap. So you already knew what those rappers sounded like. Southern rap has always been on the outskirts of the spotlight. You know, pioneers like Outkast and from Atlanta and the Ghetto Boys in Houston had paved the way for Crunk and the South to dominate in the 2000s. But that was really party music and aggressive music. And then here comes this dude that is sing-songy, has a bit of a pop orientation to his to his music it was just so just so fresh and and new because i bet before this album came out a lot of hip-hop heads or as rap people as judd would say as you would say judd <laughs> fuck off couldn't point st louis on a map before the le- release of country grammar so yeah it's nelly being from a new location bringing new style his a new unique sing-song delivery catchy crossover hip-hop tunes that you can bang in a club and i think it's uh it's a perfect recipe for a hit whereas baja man as that dude was saying before the kids loved it it was on the soundtrack who let the dogs out was on the soundtrack for rugrats they played it a million times parents probably heard that song a million times let's not deny it is catchy it just it does get stuck in your head so they probably went about and purchased the album thinking you know what we're just gonna uh, have this album for my kids and brought it home and they were uh, a bit disappointed i think it is very much like oh yeah this is this is a safe clean band who let the dogs out that's fine i'll buy it for my kid you're right yeah like, sort of nickelodeon it's fine but also because it has the tag of world music, people can feel mm. like they're a little bit more cultured for listening to like, oh, this is from the Bahamas. Isn't this fresh? Isn't this new? Yeah. Because it's classified as world music. It's immediately at the top of the charts of all those world music, alternative, dance, blah, blah, blah charts. So that may be why it was also successful. And I think people would have just bought it expecting more Who Let the Dogs Out. They were expecting like a reggaeton, calypso album, and they didn't get it. So maybe that's why they had a precipitous drop-off in terms of uh, success and talent. Whereas Nelly's next album, Nellyville, which I also want to do, was also wildly successful. Yeah. Um, Nelly is so likable, man. Just like listening to him, he's, he always raps like he's smiling about it. 
if that makes sense. Definitely, definitely. Like, you get a good vibe from him. He's just, like, a feel-good guy. He seems like a really nice guy in, in real life, all his charity work and, and all the stuff he does for St. Louis. But he's just so likable, and his music is really fun, which is something that is a little bit of a lost art form in hip-hop and R&B these days, where it just mm. lacks the fun. Like, I know it's a real big trend to be, like, a sad boy these days, like Post Malone or whatever. Yeah. But if there's a fun artist out there that can make fun music, there is a market for it. Yeah, definitely. Pick a song from both albums. I'll start off with with Baja Man. The one song that I would suggest to people, I'm going to say Getting Hotter. Just because, as I've said before, it's not the worst song. It's not a great song. But it's a song that, first of all, most importantly, it's not Who Let the Dogs Out. It's it's a decent song. If anything, it's it's probably... That's it's hard. That's what I can say. It's a decent song. It, yeah, it's a decent song. That's all I can say, John. Like the album isn't that <laughs> great bad, at all. Huh? So I would say it's a decent song. It's just something to play. Um, and it's not. And most importantly, like I said, it's not who let the dogs out. Where as far as Nelly, man, it's it's. It, I feel like it's cop out to pick the singles, but everyone's heard the singles a million times. So let's do something different. I'm gonna choose st louis just because i think it's a good indication of the album is you get the sing songy thing he's talking about st louis and um if you were to listen if you never heard nelly and you heard this track st louis and you like it guess what you're in for a treat because the rest of the album has super hot songs for the baja men because i'm not allowed to pick who let the dogs out because that's a silly pick i'm gonna go with you can get it as i mentioned a little bit earlier it sounds almost disco some of the elements mm. here, the harmonies, the the bass and stuff, it sounds like a disco track, which is what they do. It's not a bad track. It's a fun track. It's just I wasn't expecting it. I was caught from the blind side, Sandra Bullock. And so I didn't know <laughs> what to expect, but I, I enjoyed that. And for country grammar, there's only one answer. It's greed, hate, envy, inspired 99 problems god damn it jay-z pay nelly yeah. his reparations because you stole his song and made a hit with it great hate envy is a fantastic song i love it yeah that just about does it for the show if you have any comments queries whatever please rate like and subscribe us you can hit us up on instagram when albums collide or facebook the very same we'll see yes. you next week bye see ya So with us today are Judd and Pedro from the When Albums Collide podcast. They're coming to us from Australia. And um, how is it going, you guys? You're going to have to explain time zones to Pat because he doesn't quite understand that it's a different day where you two are. Can you guys tell me how the episode came out? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, we're on the other side of the world, basically, Melbourne. So... Right now it's morning for us, so is it night? I assume it's nighttime there for you guys, or yes. maybe evening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think. What do you think, Judge? I think fifteen hours apart. Where I think technically we are in the future. And uh, let me tell you guys, it's horrible in the future. <laughs> Don't look forward to it. You got nothing to look forward to. It gets uh, worse. <laughs> yeah.